Welcome to the Way of the Weaver podcast, where we explore magic, justice, and community. Thanks for showing up to our queer-centric, radically enchanted conversations. Our world needs your magic. I'm Jamie Wagoner. My pronouns are she and her, and I'm coming to you from Muskogee land in so-called Alabama. I'm Murphy Robinson. My pronouns are they or he, and I'm coming to you from Indakna, the land of the Abenaki people, also known as Vermont. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about how do you pick a tarot deck? (laughs) So Murphy, what was your first tarot deck? I remember very clearly um, making a beeline for the tarot deck cabinet in the Borders bookstore in Portland, Maine when I was like 16 (laughs) and um, pouring over all of the deck packages you couldn't like look through the cards very much but they did have some sample sample cards out um and choosing the goddess tarot deck uh by chris wald here there's many several goddess tarot decks out there but this is the one by chris wald here um which was a like all uh female feminine femme presenting deck where the major arcana cards were all goddesses from different cultures and the minor arcana cards were like nice goddessy ladies having adventures um, with the traditional kind of rider weight imagery still present, but just sort of changed to be female. It sounds very 1990s. Yeah, that's, this was in the 90s. It was a, a product of its time. It was a great first tarot deck because it was like the kinder, gentler tarot deck, you know, variety where like the yeah. book with all the meanings was like very positive about everything and like Nothing yeah. was called the death card or anything like that. So it was a good starter <laughs> deck for like tender little Murphy. <laughs> what was your first deck, Jamie? So my first tarot deck was the Cosmic Tarot, which is illustrated by uh, Norbert Loesch. And um, I think it was produced by U.S. Game Systems in 1986. And I actually did not purchase that tarot deck. A good friend and spiritual mentor of mine um, was giving me a mini lesson in how to read tarot. And I just really, I really liked the imagery. I really connected with it. It has sort of a, almost like an old Hollywood feel to the images. And, um, (laughs) 
this friend of mine, you know, they had several decks already. This was just another one kind of in their collection. And so they're like, well, you know, if you want to learn and you want to practice with the cards, um, why don't you just borrow this deck from me and you can practice with that. And, you know, before you go out and buy yourself one, which I thought, which was, you know, great. <laughs> I loved it. It was really special to me because not only because I connected with the imagery, but because you know, it was my friends and it had like that good kind of friend energy vibe came along with it. Yeah. And it's nice, um, like mentor blessing on the deck. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. And I, and I was always intended to give it back. Um, but my, this, my friend very generously shared it with me for, I don't know, like 10 years, maybe a nice. really long, <laughs> long <time>. term loan, <laughs> a really long time. It was a long borrow. <laughs> but I eventually gave it back. And a really funny uh, thing that happened was um, when I gave it back, I, I said to my friend, I'm like, I, I don't know what happened. I have to apologize to you. I am so, so sorry. But one of the cards is missing. And I, I've looked everywhere. I've looked in all my things. I cannot find this card. And, and uh, they said to me, they're like, oh, is it the hermit? And I'm like, yeah, it's the hermit. <laughs> And they were like, it's okay. The hermit's always been missing. The hermit's off hermiting somewhere. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they didn't mention yeah. that to you when they when they let you borrow it. That's funny. No, no, they didn't say anything about it at all, um, which I'm not surprised. I mean, <laughs> I probably just slipped their mind, but um, I thought it was a really funny. And also the perfect card. If a card's going to go missing and just kind of be off by itself, the hermit is the one. <laughs> uh-huh. The hermit's off, off having an experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting, Jamie, because you and I, uh, sounds like we exemplify the, the two like big categories of thought, one being that you should not buy a tarot deck, you should always be given your first deck. And the other one being yeah. that like, it's totally fine to buy your tarot deck, just like you buy all your other tools. Um, so, you know, intentionally or not, we kind of fall into that. Do you feel like you, um, you had a more special experience because it was like given to you by someone or like did they were they the one who suggested it or were you seeking it out like how did that go down that the I think that what well first of all like I said what made it special is because I connected so much with the imagery I don't think I would have kept it for so long or maybe even fallen so like headfirst in love with a tarot practice if I hadn't connected with it in that way and just, you know, me personally, my preference is actually for used things. Like I'm, I'm a big thrifter. I love secondhand things. I love things that come with a patina or a backstory. So for me, um, working with something that already was used, I mean, it, you know, the paper had been worn around the edges. You could tell it had been shuffled many times. Like, like that just felt really good to me. I think that, um, you know, I, I would have been comfortable also buying myself one, but the opportunity just kind of fell in my lap to borrow this one that I liked. So nice. <laughs> what about you? What nice. do you think about that? Um, I mean, it was the only way that I was going to get a tarot deck into my life at that point was to buy it. Um, yeah. And I think, I think I did, I think my uncle actually offered to buy one for me. He's, he doesn't read the tarot at all, but he knew I wanted one. So I, it was sort of like half a gift because he paid for it, but I picked it out. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I just, I didn't have magic community at that time. I had like my one first book on Wicca that I'd been pouring over and I was just yeah. exploring these things. And a few years later I did have that community, but, um, it was, 
that was a time at my life when I was like homeschooling on an island in Maine and like had the time to dive deeply into the tarot system and really study the cards and learn like the narratives of the suits in a way that I like wouldn't have if I'd waited until I was in college and had magical community, but no time, you know? So I, right. I think it worked out well for me, but I did also, when I was finally ready to pass that deck on, I gave it to someone. So I, you know, I, yeah. it has now entered the like, gifting it on cycle that is also like important in magical community but I think that insisting that people only are given decks is kind of a form of gatekeeping um because it's not accessible to everybody you know yeah yeah I think so too um I think that I think that both ways are equally special and magical um you know unlike you I really admire you going and picking it out and all that kind of stuff um I you know, I had the experience of being raised in a very conservative family <laughs> um, with regard to spirituality and religion. So it actually took me a really long time, even though I had already chosen like a magical pagan oriented path. It was some time before I actually felt comfortable going into a store and going to the metaphysical section where the tarot mm-hmm. decks were. That totally makes you know? sense. Yeah. So for you, it was actually maybe more accessible to be given it by a yeah. friend and not yeah. have to yeah. be public about purchasing one. And I think, um, you know, also when, you know, if I, if I could go, look back at myself, um, those many years ago and give her some advice, I would tell her like, you got this, like be empowered, go buy this tool that you want, you know? Yes. All, all the hindsight advice is good to reflect on because maybe other people will hear this and, and you know, be inspired by that now. Um, yeah. But I think you may yeah. also make a, you make a good point about like the used tarot deck is also a part of that um, reuse value for like environmental consciousness. Like it's both magically meaningful that it was given to you by a friend and mentor and it's like good for the earth to not produce as many new tarotics maybe i mean i think tarotics have a small very small systemic impact on all the problems we're facing but like i do want it like because it's a magical tool i feel like the way that you source it is a part of the ethics of your divination practice so like you know these days we don't have too many big box bookstores you can go into and look at a million decks you know maybe if you live in a city you have a store that stocks a lot of decks or something but like i would probably have to buy a deck on online now and so I'm going to think about the ethics of like probably not buying that deck from Amazon and seeking out uh you know a small independently owned uh outfit that I can buy it from or going to like bookshop.org which is like the alternative to Amazon that gives money to local bookshops when you buy from them um yeah and if you're not familiar with that we'll put that link in our show notes to bookshop.org and there's also a lot of decks that you can buy directly from the producers through their like Kickstarters or their Etsy shops, things like that too. If you're looking at like, oh, a yeah. smaller production deck. Yeah, that is um, that is a great reminder um, that a lot of independent artists do sell de- their decks and uh, like associated guidebooks and all kinds of other stuff um, directly. Which is always the best. Uh, Jamie, what like general advice would you give someone if they were trying to pick a tarot deck maybe it's their first one maybe it's not but like what, um, what do you consider when you get that question um well I, I would say that I have two considerations um the first one because my um eyes love candy 
<laughs> I would, you know, I would pick the one that I'm drawn to, right? That I'm that that really the imagery really speaks to me. Um, but I think the other consideration is to talk about the the most widely used modern deck. Excuse me, is a deck is called the Rider Waite Smith deck. And uh, you might hear people refer to it as the Rider Waite or the Smith Waite or even shorthand as the RWS tarot deck. And this is really the tarot deck that sort of changed, um, kind of changed like all decks that came after because many, many decks out there are based on the Rider Waite Smith deck. Um, this is something that was uh, published in 1909 by Ryder and Sons. That's where we get the writer part of that title. And it was designed by Arthur Waite and it was illustrated by Pamela Coleman Smith. And uh, Murphy, tell us some of the cool history behind Pamela Coleman Smith, because I love her story. Yes. Uh, so Pamela Coleman Smith was for a long time really erased from the story of this deck. Like people did not start adding her name back into the name of this deck until like, I think the past couple decades. Um, and so for the first hundred years, basically that this deck was out, it was just the Rider Waite deck, which was like the publisher and the like writer or designer. Um, but a lot of the artistic content of this deck was from the creative mind of Pamela Coleman Smith, um, who was uh, part of the like Bohemian movement in England during that time, um, which is how she was connected to, you know, these people making metaphysical decks. Um, and she was likely, it's a, these things weren't like clearly written down. We don't have a lot of like clear biography on her, but it is uh, thought to be very likely that she was both biracial and queer which you know brings a lot to this deck if you if you know that sometimes it's thought of like the old white man deck you know the more the traditionalist yeah. deck, and, and people are always trying to like reinvent and make more inclusive decks which is a good project but I think when I come to this to the Ryder Waite Smith deck with the lens that like oh this art was all made by a biracial queer woman I see a lot of different things in it um you know, yeah. the, the imagery is very like European sort of Italian renaissance based but like the gender of the the figures is often more ambiguous than like like if you look at it carefully some of the 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 figures many of the figures are, are kind of like ambiguously gendered um yeah which I, yeah you know, some people say it's very like binary gender but that's not my real relationship or observation of it um so mm -hmm. we don't have a ton of history on her we know that she like probably got paid extremely little for this and probably didn't get royalties um you know she was kind of cut out of that the, the incredible wealth that this deck has created over time. I don't know if Arthur Waite lived long enough to like get royalties from all the sales, but I mean, these days it's still making a lot of money. Right. Um, yeah. and, you know, so many I mean, people have it and she it, I mean, didn't this, see that in life, but we can yeah, like, this, bring that back by giving the credit to her a little bit. Yes, absolutely. What I was going to interject with um, was that this deck is still sold like in its original, um, you know, its original like contents, um, you know, it I, hasn't been changed for I, over a hundred years. I don't know <laughs> if anyone keeps track of what the best selling tarot decks are, but I would, I would put money on the fact that this deck is still and has always been the best selling tarot deck since it was published. Oh, like yeah. it just changed the whole thing. And it's still considered like the the foundational imagery so many other decks are just based on her scenes and arrangements and sim symbolism it's just like adjusted um to make and it more modern Pamela Coleman Smith was brilliant because 
you know, this was a, a mass produced deck and it was the first one that featured fully illustrated pip cards. And the, the pip cards are what we would call the suits or the numbered cards. Um, and before the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, uh, those cards were not illustrated. And you can really see in the brilliance of her artwork, um, you know, she really captures what each of those cards are supposed to mean in a way that who's ever looking at it can get a feeling for what that what that card is telling them, you know? Yeah, there's and, a lot uh, of story in the card. A lot is packed into each image. Yeah, and talking about, you know, from an accessibility standpoint, uh, you, it's it's less memorization, you know what I mean? And it's like more, it's easier to be intuitive and to interact with it and approach it, 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 it I think, in my opinion. Yeah, a lot of the old decks, like the Marseille deck and stuff like that, the, the older ones, they have images on the, the, arcan, the major arcana, the trump cards, but not on the other ones. So it's just like, you just have like five swords on a card, just like swords on a blank background or something. And it doesn't tell you a story the way that Stanley Coleman Smith's drawings do. But I do think it's still important to like pick a deck whose art speaks to your intuition and makes you feel excited to use it. Like for me, picking that like softer, gentler goddess deck initially, also at a time when I was really like coming into my own feminism, um, well, that's where I needed to start. Um, and then I, in college, I was encouraged by a friend to try using the Rider Waite Smith deck because that is like the foundational imagery of most decks. And I eventually used, moved to almost exclusively using the Rider Waite Smith deck because I feel like it gives me really, really clear answers. But it can be a little more brutal. Like it, it's, it doesn't, <laughs> um, it doesn't sugarcoat anything. <laughs> a lot of the images are like people with swords through them and stuff like that. Um, so it's like, that's gotta be something that you want. For me, the, the clarity of it and my like relationship with the overall narrative softens that. And I feel like if I'm reading for someone else, I can like interpret that for them in a way that like is friendlier. Um, but it was important for me to start. Like if I think if I was 16 and I'd started with the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, I would have gotten scared and I would have backed off. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are a lot of decks out there that can be, um, that can be difficult to start with not saying you can't like, please, uh, by all means, if you're drawn to them, you know, and that's what you want to do, then do it. But like you mentioned the Marseille, it, it does lack symbolism. It's a great, it's a traditional tarot. It's been around hundreds and hundreds of years, but it's harder to read. Um, uh, also, Alistair Crowley, the Thoth deck is one that's pretty popular. You might see that a lot out there. And that one can be hard to read for beginners, too. Um, you know, and but I know also that you uh, have a tarot app on your smartphone. Now, I don't have tarot app on my smartphone. Um, that's just not something I've gotten into. But maybe you can talk a little bit about that, because I know that some people might be really interested in in like, you know, that tarot tech <laughs> yeah the virtual tarot um you know I was kind of skeptical when I first tried that tried out the tarot app I use the the fool's dog um is an app developer and they make a great tarot app and they make um they make many decks like you can buy the Rider Waite Smith tarot app app or you can buy like the Robin Wood tarot or like all these different ones are available so you get a, you still get to pick your imagery kind of um, oh, I didn't realize and, that. I didn't realize they had more than one, um, more than yeah, one deck to choose from. That's pretty like cool. There's like an addition, like you have to rebuy the app for each other deck. So you're like paying them again, you know, 10 bucks or whatever it is, but, um, but you get the one you want. And, um, though, like if it's the Robin Wood Tarot, it comes with the, the, like 
book of meanings for the Robin Wood Tarot completely uploaded as an ebook within the app. And so that's all there as well. And with the uh, Ride at Wait Smith one, it comes with, I think Janet and Stuart Farrar wrote a uh, guide to the traditional RWS app, RWS deck that's, that's in, in there as an ebook as well. Um, so it's really easy to look up the meanings, uh, like you just sort of tap on the card and it flips over and it gives you the description and stuff like that. So there can be like an ease of learning with that. Um, and it is, it's like a less expensive way to try out different decks. Like it's less expensive to buy their app than it is to buy the physical deck. So for beginners, it can be a way to like dabble and see what images you like. But I also think that for beginners, it's nice to like work with a physical deck for a while and really build that relationship with it or work with both at once. But I have found, I use the, I mean, you've seen me use the, the app on my phone. We've been like trying to make have, decisions yeah. about classes and teaching and I've like whipped out my phone and we've done a tarot reading on it um, and um, I just it's always in my pocket it's always with me whereas my physical deck is not always where I am so if I'm like you know traveling in a different part of the country and traveling light or something like that I can still access that as a yeah tool. it's like and you I can have it moment all the time yeah yeah like moment to moment on the go kind of thing I could, yeah. I could see myself as a younger person when I lived in a bigger city and I had a long commute. I could definitely see myself plugging that into my commuting routine, like sitting on the metro <laughs> line, like doing my tarot. <laughs> doing your morning tarot reading on your way to work or something. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> you have to like use your commuting time wisely, you know? <laughs> yes. I have to commute in a private car, so I don't, I'm not doing tarot readings while I'm commuting, but uh, yeah, please don't. other please, people, please other people have that advantage in the city. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, so, Jamie, what deck do you use now? How has this like evolved for you? Um, so, it, I, you know, like I said, I eventually sort of fell in love with tarot, fell in love with reading it. Um, so I did continue to seek out some of my own decks. I, I would say I was trying. I was looking at my shelves before we jumped on our recording for this podcast, and I, you know, I say that I have a, a, a huge amount of decks. I, I didn't do a physical count, but if I had to guess, I, it's definitely less than 20. I think it's somewhere in the, in the 10 to 20 neighborhood. It's going to land somewhere around there because I really have to like the art to buy a deck. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I, you know, I do have some that uh, just, I use privately for myself. There's some when I, you know, I use when I read publicly, there's some that I'm happy to loan others. I don't really want to loan, you know, so it's kind of nice to have a little bit of variety there. My deck that I use um, to read for myself and at all the public events where I might be reading for others is actually, it's called the Pagan Otherworlds Tarot, and it's from Usi Design Studio, and it's an 84-card deck, so it has a couple more cards than Hmm. normal tarot decks have. Yeah, the artist chose to include a 23rd uh, Major Arcana card called the Seeker. And they also included five uh, Luna cards that show different phases of the moon. So those are kind of cool to have those in there. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah. The reason I really like this deck is, uh, it's, you know, it's called the, the Pagan Otherworlds. First of all, it's really beautiful. <laughs> but um, the imagery on it is from old European uh, folk tales, folk festivals and folk magic. So, you know, you have like people in like the Krampus suits and like all the different kind of like imagery that you'd see. And, um, you know, and, and it follows the Rider-Waite-Smith um, 
tarot deck closely, but it kind of puts this overlay of like uh, indigenous European folklore into the deck, which um, I think is just really kind of beautiful and magical. Um, it's it's definitely a um, little bit of an investment. I can't remember how much I paid for it. It was between 50 and $60. Um, and I have the guidebook as well. And the other thing that I really like about it is it came, uh, it came in a really like a beautiful package, beautiful, beautiful box. Uh, it was, it was sealed and wrapped. Um, I opened it up and the cards are there. They are, um, treated like the, in the publication and printing They're they're like, like playing cards and you know how playing cards have a little bit of like a, like a slip and a little bit of a feel mm -hmm. and they just work really well coding. in your hands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The coding. Yeah. And so I think all those things made me really gravitate toward using this a lot. Nice. <laughs> so, so that's kind that's of your primary I, deck right now. It is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So what's your primary deck? You know, I'm still using my little Rider Waite Smith deck that I got, I think, when I was in college. A um, little mini? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's like the travel size. So, you know, a standard nice. Rider Waite Smith deck, the cards are bigger than your average, like, playing card. And the travel size, they're a little bit smaller than your average playing card, which I uh -huh. think just fits in my hand really nice. And when I got it, like, I knew I was heading into a phase of my life where I was going to be very... Um, like traveling a whole lot and and not having a, a stable home and kind of like putting everything in a backpack kind of thing. So I got the the travel size, which I really like. I do also own what is known as the world's smallest tarot deck, which is a, a Rider Waite Smith uh, deck where the, each card is smaller than a postage stamp. <laughs> um, oh my goodness! I, I find that one very hard to use. It's, it's but I, I have like taken it on backpacking trips. Like before, I had the uh, smartphone with a tarot app and stuff like that. I've like taken that on backpacking trips just in case I needed to do a tarot reading. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think it's um, just because some folks who are listening, you know, will not will not have yet met you in person or come to any of our classes or anything. Um, I think it's cool that you found a solution because I mean, Murphy is a wilderness guide, an excellent one. And you found a solution that you can take the tarot into the woods. Oh, totally. I mean, I, I remember I was doing a like six month, um, like trail crew job in the high Sierras in California. And I brought that little like tiniest tarot deck in the world. And also I made a little set of runes for divination out of like some plastic. I think it was from like a orange juice container or something like that but I just cut a little plastic <laughs> coins out of it and made a rune set so that I would have my magical tools I had those and a little sort of like mini mobile with a representative of each of the four elements that I hung from the top of my little one person tent for six months oh and that was gosh. like my magical I... practice within a very <laughs> non-magical militaristic trail crew space <laughs> I love your creativity I love it <laughs> What are some of the other decks that you would recommend these days from like what you've seen available? Yeah, well, I, um, I actually, like I said, I was looking at my shelves before we recorded and I picked out three that I wanted to mention for uh, specific reasons. Um, so first, uh, there's a tarot deck called The Wild Unknown and it's by Kim Kranz and it is based on all nature imagery. So no humans, <laughs> no people in this deck. But it's still um, based on the Rider-Waite-Smith system. So you still have kind of the four suits and the major arcana and things like that. So um, it'll be familiar to a seasoned tarot reader. But a lot of people like it because the imagery is so wild um, and there's no like 
humans there with facial expressions or things like that, uh, people feel like it's a little bit freer, like the interpretations can be a little bit freer, a little bit more expansive. Um, and is that and it's, it's, all you know, animal images or are there like plants too? Uh, it's mostly, it's mostly animals. There are some plants, there's some trees that come in there, um, and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're so beautiful it's, drawings. I've seen them. Yeah. It's really, really pretty, like really pretty, like hand inked, cross hatched, beautiful. Yeah. Um, the next one I really like, again, speaking of plants, <laughs> I like the, uh, it's called the Herb Crafters Tarot by Letitia Guthrie and Joanna Powell Colbert. And if you like, if you like, you know, if you're an herbalist or you like, you like playing with our plant friends, I certainly love that. Um, basically what they've done is they've taken the Rider-Waite-Smith uh, tarot and they've uh, converted it to all plants, you know, so when you, once, once you get past the major arcana, you also have the suits and the suits are arranged by elements and plants that align with those elements. And it's a cool way to, you know, learn, um, you know, learn some herbalism and tarot at the same time. So I really like that. Uh, and the, the last and final one I wanted to mention is I just got this one. I haven't played with it too much, but it's called the Modern Witch Tarot. It's by uh, Lisa Sterl. And uh, that one I like because of the diversity of images. You have uh, people with, you've got white people, black people, brown people, indigenous people. You've got people, uh, you know, got everything from people riding motorcycles and <laughs> to people farming, to people being on their cell phones. It's, it's just a really interesting deck because of the, uh, like the, the wide variety and inclusivity of the images. And, you know, especially if you're going to, well, I mean, for yourself, but especially if you're going to read for other people, I think that that's something you really want to think about when you're picking a deck is, is the deck I'm going to be reading going to feel inclusive and inviting to everyone? Yeah, um, I think so, that is a really yeah. good situation for reading for others too. If you like, I know you, Jamie, have gone to like Pride Fest and things like that, where you just offer tarot reading by donation to anyone coming along. Yeah. And, like donate that money to the like queer like fundraisers and stuff. So yep. you don't know who you're going to be reading for and you want the deck to feel like inviting to people. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've had really good reactions to that modern witch tarot. Actually, people think it's kind of charming because they're like, oh, I thought tarot was like this old thing. But, you know, here's an image. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's like the Eight of Swords has a a, a woman like on a cell phone. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what about you, Murphy? Do you have some other favorites or recommendations that you want to share? Um, let's see. In terms of like what I actually use regularly, um, I mean it's mostly my Rider Waite Smith deck, and I, in terms of my own practice, I usually supplement that with less structured Oracle decks. So we can like make a distinction between tarot oh, decks yeah. that are like the 78 card system with the major arcana and the minor arcana with the four suits and the numbered cards and the court cards. Like there's a very specific structure and like symbolism that is what we call tarot. And then there's like mm -hmm. the Oracle decks, which are just like 40 angels or, you know, um, yeah, in my, in yeah, my case, yeah. I like the Druid Animal Oracle deck, um, which is all animals and birds that are native to the British Isles. And um, that is something that's like an ancestral connection for me. I mean, there are other animal decks that are based in North America, but they're very like white person's interpretation of a pan-Indian mishmash of Native American yeah. like yeah. Uh, symbology that like I don't think that that was well sourced enough for me to feel good engaging with it so I went for a deck that was based in my own ancestry in the, in uh, northern Europe 
Um, and the, yeah. the images are just beautiful and well-researched with a good guidebook. And then I also use the runes a lot for divination. So those are probably my three main go-to tools. Um, but there's other, there's other tarot decks that I like really admire. I just don't own a copy. Um, I'd say the, <laughs> the one that I would like love to like come into my world someday is the slow holler deck. Um, oh yeah. yeah. I really like for its queer imagery. It was produced by a whole collective of queer people. I think it was like in the mid Atlantic somewhere. Um, and it's, really beautiful imagery um they're they're very creative different images because different artists did each one um and the people depicted in the cards tend to be very like transgender non-binary like ambiguous gender looking and stuff like that so it doesn't have that um gender binary feel that some people get from the Rider Waite Smith or, or other modern yeah. decks um and I also have like seen some really cool stuff from the This Could Hurt deck, which I think is similar to the Modern Witch deck and that it's seeking to be a really inclusive deck in terms of uh, depicting people of many like skin tones and racial backgrounds and depicting mm -hmm. like some more urban scenes. Like I think the, I don't remember, was it like the Six of Cups or something like that? I remember someone drew a card for me doing a reading with this deck that um, it like took place on a, a fire escape that had a bunch of flower pots on it on the side of a multi-story brick building in a cityscape. Cool. And that was just like yeah, a really cool. different imagery than what you get from like the Renaissance scenes in the Rider Waite Smith deck. <laughs> um, so those are two that like are kind of on my list to maybe acquire at some point. Um, but I don't. If I, don't I ever know. run across anybody, I, I, I think anybody's going to be reluctant to let go of their slow holler deck. Oh but my if gosh, you're out yeah. there, or if, they were if you're out there, yeah. <laughs> and if, if you're out there and you want to, let go of that slow holler deck. Hey, hit me up. Not Murphy. I want to surprise Murphy. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. Yeah, it sold out would, many years I, ago, and it's a real precious thing now. Yeah, I would. I would love to find a copy of that for you because I know you've been pining for it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who owns a copy, so I do have like a slow holler deck that I can visit if I need to. But it's not. Oh, uh, I love in it. My house. I love it. <laughs> Well, I think that's about it for us today. And I'd like to say thanks for joining us. You can learn more about Way of the Weaver programs on our website, wayoftheweaver.com. So if you like this episode, please share it with your friends. And it also helps if you write us a review. You can subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a new episode. They'll be coming out on or around the 13th of every month. Our theme music is by Fern Maddie. You can find more of her incredible music at fernmaddiemusic.com. And remember that magic is real, present all around us, and a profound tool for justice and transformation. Use it well. <laughs>